to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. It's like, okay, where's the reward for me? It's like, it's not supposed to be that way. What is in it for me? When's my payoff? Well, you have the wrong heart. Don't grow weary in doing well, for in due season you shall reap if you don't lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to, can we say that word together? All. Can we change that to do good to the people we like? No? No, to all. Do good to all. But I like this part, especially, can you look at this with me? Especially to those who are of the household of faith. Who's that? That's us. It's believers. So do good to everybody. Just, just try to your best to, to be used by God to do good things to other people, but especially those in the household of faith. Another great verse that goes with this. Actually, three verses that go with this. Galatians 6, 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, listen to this, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted so you see someone getting off the rails. You see them in trespasses. You don't go there and blast them and you're this and you're that. I can't believe and la, 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 la. It says, don't do that. If you're going to go to that person, do it in a spirit of gentleness. Why? Because consider your, yourself, you, you know, lest you be tempted. You, in other words, it, what, what Paul's saying here, you could be in the same boat. Don't think you stand lest you fall. Go there in a spirit of gentleness. Then it says, bearing one another's burdens, so fulfilling. Can we say that together? The law of Christ, bearing one another's burdens. So you just see this, this heart of God, caring for one another, bearing their burdens, fulfilling the law of Christ. And if anyone thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. That's a blast right there, isn't it? In other words, don't be haughty. Don't think you're some super spiritual person because you're deceiving yourself. It's because of Christ is who you are. The good that's in us is the goodness of Christ living in us. I want to make something clear, though. If I can, let me see if I can go back to this. I'll, I'll read it from the beginning. And now rejoice in my suffering for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the affliction of Christ. If you read that, you're thinking, wow, there's something lacking in the afflictions of... And some people, they, 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 they teach this, that the afflictions of Christ, he didn't complete his affliction. He, he didn't do a complete suffering at the cross. They, he wasn't, you know, for the sin offering, he did not do that. So then others, we can fulfill that or we can, and that's just blasphemous. And that's not what it is. Okay. So when Christ died at the cross, he suffered once for all. Okay. So he died. So the afflictions, not talking about a sin offering and sacrifice offering that, that we somehow, or Paul can be a sacrifice offering to kind of fill up, you know, so it can be complete. That's not what it's saying. So please don't misunderstand that. Uh, the, the affliction is talking about the pressures of life, the persecution. Christ still suffers, in a way, suffers uh, rejection today. People are still rejecting Christ today. And, and because of their hatred towards Jesus, the church is being afflicted. Paul was being afflicted. And it's a continual thing that's happening. But it has nothing to do with, with the afflictions of Christ aren't complete. And so we're going to be afflicted. So somehow we have a part of this whole thing for for uh, salvation and sin. No, 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 no. Please don't, don't mix that up. So I just wanted to point that out because some churches teach that and that's not, that's not right. Back in our text, verse 25, it says, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship 
from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed in his saints. I kind of touched on that already, that in the Old Testament, it wasn't clear completely, and it's, it, was, it was hidden, but it's made known to us in the New Testament that this thing, the church, believers, Gentiles, and Jews become one in the church, and there's no, you know, so this is the mystery, Christ in us, the hope of glory, as we're going to see the next verse. But if you're a note-taker, the word minister means a servant. So we're called to serve. But I want to look at this stewardship. I don't think we use that word quite, you know, too often today, do we? Do you? I don't know. I don't, I don't say stewardship. I have a stewardship. But it, stewardship means to manage a household. And we all belong to the household of God. And we all should have some type of stewardship. We're called to be stewards, and we're called to be good stewards and faithful stewards, as we're going to look at. But we have a stewardship, and it's good to know what our stewardship is and, you know, what we're called to do. Some are called to, to pray for the church, and that's a wonderful stewardship. I love when I meet people, and they say, Pastor Joe, I pray for you every day, and I'm like, thank you, Lord, and thank you for praying for me. And that's their stewardship, and people are, are called to pray, we have some people in the church, they have a stewardship to sing and to play instruments in our, our worship team. What a ble- aren't they a blessing? The Lord just blessed us with a, a, a great worship team. But it's their stewardship. We have ushers. We have people doing, you know, other studies, the women's Bible study, teachers, there's pastors and uh, Sunday school leaders. And we have, you know, sound people and we have the video people and we have people that work behind the scenes. We have people that do, you know, construction and work around here. And we try to do it, but we don't do such a good job or we try to do the construction, but we do our best. But it's a stewardship. (laughs) And it's good to know what your stewardship is. You see, when we're caught up in our stewardship, many times we don't get caught up in the world. When we're caught up in our stewardship, it keeps us from being caught up in the world. And it's good to be busy about the Lord's business. Which you remember what Jesus said when he was 12 years old. He, was, he told his mother, don't you know I have to be about my father's business, stewardship. I think the Lord called me in the, to be a full-time pastor because he knows I can get in a lot of trouble if I'm not busy. And I, I kind of jokingly say that, but it's true. We're, we're to be busy about the things of the Lord. We're to, and then you might say, well, pastor, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't have time for that, but really I don't do anything wrong. Well, you really need help. I mean, because you're being deceived. And it's so funny how we can overlook our sin and say, well, that's not so bad. You know, look at those murderers over there. And well, I listen to the news and, you know, there's people killing each other. There's, there's people, you know, stealing and all these things. You know, I don't do this kind of stuff. And that's a terrible place to be in. Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am. But Paul said that he's a steward. He has a stewardship to the Gentiles, and his stewardship was to explain to them, to the, the Gentiles, that they too can be in this, in, you know, in the body of Christ and have Christ inside of them, having hope of glory and being born again of the Holy Spirit and that wonderful stewardship that Paul had. But my question to all of us here, do we realize we have a stewardship and are we, we using the stewardship because we're gonna have to stand before the Lord one day and give an account of our stewardship? Did you know that? When you die, let me tell you what the Bible says. I'll, I'll put the verse up here, though, to, to back up what I'm saying. But you're going to stand before the Lord and before the throne of God, and he's going to say, what did you do for my kingdom? He said, well, kingdom? I didn't know you had a kingdom. The stewardship that was given to you, what did you do with it? Well, you know, I had this going on, and I was busy doing that, and busy doing this, and that. 
but did you do it for my glory? Did you do it for my kingdom? Did you do it to increase the kingdom of God? You might be a businessman here today. You might be, you know, whatever your occupation is, and God, and you're busy with that. That's great. And but I'd say use it for God's glory. But, you know, but but make sure what your stewardship is, and, and use it for for the kingdom of heaven. First Corinthians nine sixteen goes with this. It says, "For this is Paul the apostle. He says, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of." He says, for necessity is laid up for me. For necessity is laid up for me. But Paul's saying, you know what? Um, For if I preach the gospel, I got nothing to boast about. Why? Because this is what I'm called to do. In other words, like, why would I boast in sharing the gospel? That's what, that's my stewardship. I'm called to do this. And he says, yes. And look at this, what it says. Yes, it says, yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. He's saying, shame on me if I don't do what God's called me to do. I'm called to preach the gospel. He says, shame on me. Woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. And that's good to know. If you do it willingly, you know what your your giftings are, your talents are, your stewardship is. When you get to heaven, great is your reward in heaven. But then he goes on to say, if I do it willingly, I have a a reward, right? But he says, "But but if against my will, I have been entrusted with the stewardship. So in other words, I believe he's saying, you know, I, if, you, if you want to do this, you're, called to, you're going to do it against your will. It's like, but this is your stewardship. You're, you, one way or another, you're going to do this, but it's so much better if you do it willingly, cheerfully, because there'll be a great reward for you. Another one that goes with this, when you become a Christian, it says, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and, can we say that word? Stewards of the mystery of God. Moreover, it's required in stewards, stewardship, that one be found faithful. Be faithful to what God's called you to do. Back in our text, it says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul says there's a mystery that wasn't quite clear in the Old Testament. But he wants the Gentiles to know the riches of this wonderful mystery. And that mystery is that Christ can live inside of you. You can have hope of glory. Is Christ living inside of you? Is Christ living inside of you? I don't know about you. I'd be excited if I had someone ask me the question. I'd say, yes, 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 yes. It lives inside. His spirit lives inside of me. I'm born again. I'm going to heaven. Yes, yes. That's just me. I'm Italian. I've got a lot of emotion, you know, that I've expressed myself differently. So I'll ask you again, does Christ live inside of you? Yes. yes. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I have Christ living inside of me by his Holy Spirit. And guess what? Because Christ lives in me, I have hope of glory. I know I'm going to heaven. I have hope of eternity. I have hope beyond this this temporal earth right here. I have Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's probably one of the most powerful verses in all the Bible, that the mystery is solved, that believers can, Gentiles and Jews can have Christ living inside of them. The Messiah that was spoken about in the Old Testament, how the Messiah would come, how the Messiah will suffer. One day the Messiah will rule and reign for all eternity. That Messiah can live inside believers by his Holy Spirit. Christ in us. We have hope of glory. We, we, we have hope beyond the grave. We realize that this life is short. Do you know the Bible teaches this lifetime here? Listen, this lifetime here on this earth is but a vapor. Do you ever think of a vapor? Have you ever, you know, I, I boil water for tea in the morning quite often. And I, do, you, do you ever see the vapor that comes out of the, the, the kettle? Where does it go? 
It's gone, right? It just evaporates. That's what the Bible teaches about our life here on earth. It says it's just a vapor. It's just gone. It just dissipates. And our life here on earth is so short, a vapor, just here and gone, right? Just short. And you think about eternity. It goes on and on and on and on and on. 58 feet worth. And on (laughs) and on. The reason I know it's 58 feet worth is because I went to Home Depot and I tried to figure out how to buy this. And I thought I measured about 60 feet, so they did the measurement. It was 58. I was a little short. And it was so funny. Uh, Javier was the, the guy that was helping me out. And, and Javier at the Home Depot, I says, Javier, I, I'm holding the rope in my hand. I says, you know what I'm going to do with this? And he just looked at me like, what is this crazy guy going to do? It's like, <laughs> and then my wife chimed in. She goes, I think he's going to kill me. And he's, he's like, and he's like looking like this. And he's like... <laughs> She's a writer. She writes drama, okay? So she's just, you know. But the look on his face, he was like, you two are crazy, and I don't know what you guys are talking about. I'm excited about this rope. And I says, you know what I'm going to do with this rope, Javier? And he goes, he goes no, what are you going to do? And I says, you know, I'm going to tie this tape around it right here. And then he's really looking at me like, what is this? He's going to tie tape, and he's got rope. And I said, I want to do an illustration about how short life really is. I go, Javier, this lifetime is just so short. And I said, I teach the Bible, and the Bible teaches and tells us that that life after this life just keeps going on and on and on and on. And he's just looking at me with these big eyes, and he's like, and I says, and what we do during this time right here is going to count for all this, all this time, what we do right here. And I said, Javier, I said, sometimes we're just so focused on this little, short, little, teeny bit of time. And we're so concerned about this time. But are we thinking about all eternity? Are you thinking about all eternity? What we do here for this little tiny bit of space of time is going to count for what happens to us for all eternity, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. I can keep going on. And ever. And as I look at stewardship and I look at Christ in me, the hope of glory, I have hope that my life is more than this little time of space. My life is going to last forever and ever and ever and ever. And if you're a believer here today, your life is going to last forever and ever and ever and ever, continually, continually, continually. But what are we doing for eternity? What are you doing for eternity? What am I doing for eternity? What am I doing for this? I bet most of us, if I was to sit down with you, you can tell me what you're doing in this little space. Oh, you pastor, you won't believe I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and this, and this is going on in my life, that's going on in my life. Actually, let me tell you what happened six weeks ago, and this happened over here, that happened over here, this is going, okay, that, that's great, that's great, but uh, what about, does that have anything to do with all this? Hopefully it does, and for some of you, it's, it is. You can say, yeah, it has a lot to do with this. You know why? Because I'm doing this for God's glory. I'm doing that for God's glory. I'm investing in this for all eternity, and I'm sending. I know I can't take anything with me to that other side, but I'm sending it all ahead. Can I make it clear, as I told Javier at Home Depot? It's only Jesus. It's the only way that we're going to last for all eternity with God in heaven. It's only through Jesus Christ. You see, for us as believers... We have this short period of time and we have a stewardship and what we do in this time is going to last and it's going to determine who we are and what we do for all eternity. And let me say it again, please invest in eternity because it's going to affect you forever and ever and ever. But if you're here today and you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're going to still live forever and ever for eternity 
would say, God wants you to go to heaven. And the only way to get to heaven is through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the door. That's the only way. There's no other way to get to heaven except through Jesus Christ. He's the only way to God, the Father. So I want to say to you, don't live just for this time. Accept Jesus Christ as your Savior that you can go and live forever in heaven and spend all eternity with the one who loves you, the one who created you, the one who spoke those stars into existence, the one who said light be and light was, the creator of all things, God Almighty, who sent his son Jesus, who loves you so much, he allowed his son to be a sin sacrifice for you, that you can spend all eternity with him. So don't be so caught up with this little short of time. Be caught up with forever and ever, because this lifetime is but a vapor. It's a short time. We have Christ in us as believers. Amen? Amen. We have hope of glory. We're going to live forever and ever and ever. May we see the stewardship that we have. May we realize we have a God who loves us. To go with that, what I was just talking about, for we must, can we say that word? All appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We're all going to stand there. In the judgment seat of Christ for the believer, the judgment seat of Christ is known as the Bema seat. It uh, speaks of gifts and rewards that will be given out to us as believers. It's a Bema seat judgment. So there's going to be rewards given to you. There's going to be things that you're going to be given for all eternity, to, depending on what we did here on this earth. And it's going to be a blessing for those that are serving God and, and focusing on eternity. And there's going to be, it's just going to be a, a wonderful ceremony. The Bema seat judgment. Is that going to be fabulous to watch? But then there's another judgment. It's called the white throne judgment. You don't want to go to that judgment. That's when people are going to be judged on the fact that they rejected Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And that's when they will be damned for eternity. And you don't want to be a part of that. Second Corinthians 5.14 goes with this. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, talking about Jesus, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for who's him? Jesus, who died for them and rose again. So we're not to live for ourselves. We're to live for him who died for us and rose again. Amen? Amen. Let's look at the last verse as we close. So Paul ends chapter one in saying, him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect. That word also means mature in Christ Jesus to this end. I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. There's too much here. <laughs> One point I'd like to make for the church, Paul says, him, that's Jesus, we preach. Preaching always is about Jesus. But listen, he preaches and teaches. And that was Paul's view of ministry. That's our view of ministry. Why do we spend so much time in the word? Because that's what Paul did. He preached and he taught, taught the word of God. And that's what we do here at this church. We preach share the gospel that people would come to Christ, but also we teach them. Why? That they can mature. The word per per to be perfect is mature. So we, we want us to mature. The only way you're going to mature, can I make this clear? The only way we're going to really truly mature spiritually is through that book that you have hopefully on your lap. That one right there. Not by experiences. 
Experiences are great. They're not, you know, there's some experiences that are wonderful, but we grow by the word of God. We grow as we, we take in the word, we read the word, we study to show ourselves approved to God, workmen that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We go through the word, we ponder the word, and then we apply it in our lives. So preaching and teaching, that's what we do our best to do here at Calvary of the Harbor. We preach the gospel. So people can come to know Jesus, but then we teach them the word. We go through the word verse by verse. We go chapter by chapter. We stay in the word. And then, don't miss this as we close this out, striving, laboring. Those words there, laboring, it's like laboring to exhaustion. That's what Paul said he did. Doesn't sound like a lazy man to me. According to his working, God's working, look at this, don't miss this, which works in me mightily. Can I say God works in us mightily? And can I, can I if, if you're the believer here today, if you've accepted Christ today, allow God to work in you mightily. Allow him to work mightily. Paul did it. Paul, you know, he, he knew what his stewardship was. He goes, okay, God, I'm called to the Gentiles. I'm called to preach. I'm called to teach. I, I'm called to, to, to make the mysteries known that weren't known before. And then I'm going to be used by, and then he realized, wow, there is power in the fact that I'm doing what God has called me to do. And you rely on his power. And you rely on him working through you mightily. It's not like he's striving. Like, I, I don't see Paul the Apostle preaching like, you need to know this. He's just like trying to make this thing work. No, no. He's like just all empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. Whatever you're called to do, rely on the mighty power of God's Holy Spirit working in your life. It's not a striving in a way where you have to make something work. No, 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 no. You're striving. You're working hard at doing what God called you to do, but then you're relying on the powerful, mighty work of the Holy Spirit working in you. Amen? Amen? And the word teaching means to impart truth. And we're all called to do that, to impart God's truth. We're all called to impart God's truth because it sets people free. A little over a week ago, I was here serving at the church, and uh, Jose was here, Pastor Jose. He's the high school pastor. And I wanted to make sure things were locked up before I left, and so I saw the electric room was not locked, the padlock wasn't on it, these rooms back here, you know, these big doors there, so, so I saw the padlock was not padlocked, so I just, you know, closed the door all the way and padlocked it, shut it, so I went to, went to lunch, I got a text, I got a text from Brenda, she goes, I think you're going to really find this humorous, she says, Joe's texts me and says, can you please get me out of the electric room, <laughs> somebody locked me in, at that point, he didn't know it was his pastor that locked him in, to the, so I was cracking up and she sent me his text, you know, can you please open, you know, someone, you know, locked me in, you know, just so calm and cool. And, and so I saw Joseph, I said, Joseph, I, I says, I think I locked you in. He goes, yeah, I wasn't sure. He said, yeah, I thought it was you out there. I said, yeah. So I said, I'm sorry I locked you in. I says, but what if you didn't have your phone with you? And he goes, because I never thought of that. I says, what? I said, you would have probably had to start yelling and screaming, you know? And he says, yeah, probably would have, you know? And it's just like, wow, that's just terrible. I said, I'm sorry. I didn't even know I locked you in the, the electric room. I says, but if you keep it up, you're going back in the electric room. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> the, and I was thinking through this, you know, because it's such a great story. I'm like, how do we use this? But, but I was just thinking, oh, it just, he had this simple truth of, you know, just, you know, calm and cool. Just text Brenda. She's in the other, she's right here in the office, you know, right around the corner. Hey, Brenda, I'm in the electric room. Can you let me out? What if she didn't have a key? But that's another story. <laughs> so she let him out. But he knew where to go to get, you know, set free and, to, you know, to get out of his little prison. 
the one I put him in. <laughs> We're to impart truth because people all around us are trapped in sin. They, they truly are. They truly are trapped. And it's a simple truth that sets them free. And his name is Jesus. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.